I'm a little terrified to see what the pictures of me will look like. <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, would you speak to these people who have been gathered here by you, who've been called here for your purposes? Would you speak to them and use my voice, use the voice of this community, use um, whatever you would use to speak to the hearts of your people. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the exciting things that we've done this year is starting at the beginning of the year, we have been preaching on the theme of healing. And it has been a fascinating um, series of sermons for me, some of which I've preached, some of which I've listened to, and some of which I, the stories are just a constant reminder of that God is the God who heals. He is the God who brings life. He is the God who uh, destroys sin, who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one who comes and enters our world um, and changes it, becomes one of us in the Son, Jesus Christ. Um, we often talk about Jesus's great, um, you know, the way that he was tormented at the cross, uh, before the cross, and, and the cross itself, and I don't know if you've seen some of those things on the internet of just the incredible suffering that Christ experienced when he, um, when he went through what he went through. And, and I, that's certainly um, true. That, that was incredible physical suffering. But the true suffering of Jesus is that he left the glories of heaven. He left the presence of God. He left all that he had, the perfect community of the Father, Son, and Spirit, together, united, one. He left all of that and came and entered our sin-sick world, the world that we made sick because of the sin of Adam and Eve and because of our own additions to that sin day after day. That is the ultimate suffering of Christ, to come be one of us. And he does that. And he does that. And then that suffering leads to his offering of his life, laying down his life for us. 1 Peter 2, 21-25 says, For to you who have been called, because Christ also... For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. When we talk about a perfect God, the God who could do this, the God who could come and be part of the creation that he makes, when we talk about that perfection, we, we like to have God be perfect in every way, right? We want God to be perfectly kind. We want God to be perfectly merciful. We want God to be perfectly uh, loving towards us. We long for God to be perfect 
in the way he treats us. We want him to be perfectly forgiving. We love all that. (laughs) But if God is truly perfect, then God is also perfectly just. He is perfectly righteous. He gets perfectly angry. He hates sin. He hates what we do that stands against him. When we stand in defiance and lie and cheat and steal and and do that which hurts others and cause pain and suffering to others, when we do those things, he hates that. And scripture reminds us that he won't even look on it. He, he, He will not look on it. Instead, he will deal with it. He doesn't leave us there. Jesus is the one who comes. We also, um, I don't know if you all see uh, the pictures of Jesus, which I find really annoying, right? Because now we're kind of in this season of we don't want the white American Jesus, so we're trying to do cooler pictures of Jesus. We don't know what he looked like. We don't know what he was like at all physically. Matter of fact, Isaiah 53, I want to, I want to read these words and, and I want you to just think about them and kind of let them roll over, uh, and, and, and roll over you and just kind of take them in because this is the description that we have. Who has believed what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant. And like a root out of a dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, But as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul made an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, 
make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. That's the picture of Jesus. That's the one who we follow here. That's the one who comes to save us. That is God himself incarnate here with us. Whatever picture you have of Jesus, carry that picture with you. Know that he lays down his life for you. I... uh, As we were looking through the, or uh, preaching through the various healing passages in Scripture, it really struck me um, how how many times and how often uh, Jesus healed, um, just in remarkably different ways. Right? He never does it the same way twice. I uh, I went and saw uh, Dr. Norton a while back and. He did surgery on my neck, and he rebuilt my neck, and he's rebuilt thousands of necks. He's like 70-some years old. That guy is amazing, amazing surgeon. And he kept doing surgery after surgery after surgery. You know what? When he did my surgery, he said, you know what? I really love doing your surgery, and I said, why is that? Because that's a little weird. And he said, because you're just so different. Like, you're huge, and your neck is huge, and I had room, you know? <laughs> and, and he says, I, I get bored. I, I do the same things over and over again, so it's really nice when I get something completely different, right? Jesus never heals the same way twice. And it's not because he's bored. It's because he shows off his power. He shows off his might. He shows off his grace and his kindness and his love. Some of us long to be healed even now. My neck is working really well. I'm really grateful. But I have some other things that I wish God would fix. I have some issues that I wish he would change. I wish I I wish he would fix my my crazy ADD brain that sometimes just goes and, and wow, look, a squirrel, you know, and 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 I forget where I'm at and and I forget what I'm doing and and then um and then I'm tormented because I remember that I forgot to turn off my phone and then I imagine that if I don't turn it off now, then it'll ring in the middle of something and disrupt you all, right? Because I forget, right? Because my head just doesn't work right, because there's something screwy in my brain. And, and that's okay, because it's kind of what makes me me too, right? Um, we, we are broken. We are, we're not right. We're not the way we're supposed to be yet. But that day comes. That day comes. But we live in a world of brokenness. We live in a sin-sick world. Our sin, the sins of others, sin all around us, sin in this world is real. 
and we struggle with it and it's painful and it's hard and it's scary when we were looking at the various um, healing stories in scripture one that stood out to me was the, the story when when uh, when the four friends bring a man who's paralyzed uh, they bring him on a mat and they want him to get him inside the the uh, the temple and 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 uh, and they can't get him in to see Jesus. The, Jesus is there teaching and and they want him to to get to get in this house to uh, to get him close to Jesus so that Jesus will heal him. And they're pretty creative guys, and so they climb up on the roof which is kind of a flat roof and and they scripture tells us they they dig their way in they they dig into the roof which you know has got to make the owner of the house not real thrilled um but they dig in and they they create a hole and then they get some ropes and they lower Jesus uh, lower their friend this paralyzed man down to to Jesus and and here's the first thing that Jesus does. Jesus sees their faith, right? He doesn't see the man's faith. He doesn't. He sees the community's faith. Faith. He he sees these four friends' faith. Um, we're we're in this together, folks. We we sometimes have to believe for each other, help each other believe, walk with each other in our in our disbelief. When we're scared and and nervous, turn to those around us and and let them walk with us. Here's what Jesus says. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, "Son, your sins are forgiven." Okay, great. That, that's not why I'm here, <clears throat> right? I, I didn't come here for that. I, I came here because because I I I'm paralyzed. I, I want to walk. I, I I'm not here for that. That's nice, but but really, what I want is to walk. I, I don't know if that's what he thinks. We don't read his mind. But I'm pretty sure that he didn't set out that day with his friends to come into the presence of Jesus to be healed. I mean, to be uh, uh, forgiven of his sins. I, I think he came because he wanted to walk. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And there's a hue and a cry. And, a, and, a, and there are people going, uh, <laughs> there are scribes that are saying, hey, who are you to forgive sins? What right do you have to forgive sins? They say Jesus is blaspheming. Only God alone can forgive sins. And Jesus, perceiving in his spirit, heard their questions. And he said, why, why do you question these things in your heart? Well, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? 
God is the God of power and might and strength. God can do whatever he chooses to do. He can raise from the dead. He can, he can bring, he can let the paralytic walk. He, he, there's a woman that has an issue of blood. He, he touches her and it's healed, or she touches him rather and, and it's healed. He, he makes sick kids well when their fathers are desperate. He, he, he goes from place to place bringing healing and, and doing all these things and, and, and all that takes a power that we, we don't understand. It's, it's the power of God himself. So which is easier, Jesus says. And here's the answer to the question. <laughs> the the hard thing is to forgive sins for Jesus. The hard path is to forgive sins. The path that he has to take to forgive sins means that he has to love us when we are blaspheming him, when we are hating him, when we are cursing him, when we're walking far from him, when we're just ignoring him and going blithely through our lives, pretending that we have it all together or acting like it's not going to matter or that there is no future or that there is no hope. He has to love us then. He has to, he has to, in his perfect love, come and love us when we despise him. When we hate him. When we turn from him. When we don't have anything to do with him. And he does that. This is a voluntary mission that Jesus engages in. It's a voluntary mission. He comes because he wants to. When Jesus is on the cross, even his closest friends have abandoned him. Think of your best friend. I don't know who that is. Think of your absolute best friend. The one who you just love hanging out with. The one who's been kind to you, who cares about you, who thinks about you, who asks into your life, the one for whom you would lay down your life and the one who would lay down their life for you. Think of that best friend. And now, imagine you're in the worst trouble of your life, the scariest moment of your life, and having that friend say, who are you? Who are you? Do, do I know you? Sorry, no, hey, you're on your own. That's what happened. Even those closest to Jesus betrayed him, walked away from him, turned their back on him. Do you think we're all that different than Peter? Do you think we're all that different than the disciples who ran? Do you think we're all that different than the people who should have loved Jesus and walked with him into death itself? No, we're not. And it's for that we need grace. For that we need God. It's for that we need God's love. Because we wouldn't turn away. We would abandon Him just like they did because we're cowards and we're scared and we're afraid. And, 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 and in all that, and in all that, Jesus never wavers in His love. He doesn't break off the friendship 
we do. When Jesus tells the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, did you know that at that precise moment, he is perfectly healed? Perfectly healed. Completely healed. There is nothing else that need be done. Your sins are forgiven, Jesus says. And guess what? From that moment on, that person belongs to Jesus Christ and and walks into heaven for all eternity to be with God in all his goodness and all his love. In that moment, he's perfectly healed. You want to be perfectly healed? You want to be perfectly healed? Say, Jesus, forgive my sins. Please forgive my sins. Take my brokenness. Take my suffering. Take my struggle. Take my hurt. Take my agony. Take all the things that I am. Take all the ways that I've betrayed you, turned from you, don't believe you, don't trust you, don't hope in you. Take all those things. Forgive my sin. And then walk in the freedom of that reality. And you go, well, hey, Rod, wait. You can't walk in that reality because <laughs> you can't walk. He's a paralyzed man. And then Jesus says, oh, <laughs> Now that the hard thing is done, let me show you the easy thing. Get up and walk. And he does. He picks up his mat and he walks. Go home. And he rejoices. I long for all of you to be healed. Truly, perfectly, 100% healed. I long that your sins be forgiven. I long that you know and believe in Jesus Christ, that you accept his terms, that you accept his conditions, which are really simple. Trust in me. Give me your life. Let me have it. Let me run it, control it. Let me send you where I will send you. Let me take you the path, down the paths that I would take you down. Let me take you to the places you need that I would take you to. Let me show you the things I would have you do. Are you going to suffer? Yes, you will. Because when you walk in the steps of Jesus, the closer you are in walking to the steps of Jesus, you will share in his suffering. That is so exciting. <laughs> Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Wow. Thanks. In this world you will have trouble, but fear not. I've overcome the world. I've destroyed the power of Satan. I've destroyed the power of evil. I have the power to bring you to myself, to bring you to the God of the universe whose love for you never wavers. In this world you'll have trouble. Some of us are going to suffer day after day, year after year. My little sister has cerebral palsy, and she has muscle spasms that 
contort her legs and her feet and her arms and her hands and the muscles in her body and they contort them until she screams with pain and she lives on muscle relaxants and pain pills and every morning it's this huge struggle just to get out of bed and she's been this way from birth what did she do she didn't do something. We ask the why question all the time. God never answers the why question. He says, I love you. And he says, I love you to my little sister. And somehow, every day she finds a way to get out of bed. She finds a way to give music lessons, to write beautiful music, to, to sing, to, to rejoice, to, to give praise to God. If you ever want to be encouraged, if you need some encouraging encouragement in your life, come talk to me and I'll give you her number. Or if you happen to be in Northern California, you know, go on a wine country tour, I'll tell you where her address, you can stop by. You want to be blessed because she knows something. She knows the presence of Jesus Christ. She knows it in such rich and amazing ways and it overpowers her. I don't know how she gets up every day. I can't imagine. I can't imagine her suffering. I plead with God to heal her, to make it right, to make it the way it's supposed to be. And he says, I already have, and I will. And I'm doing it now. Easter is the most thrilling day. <laughs> it's, it's the ultimate day in all of history. That moment when Jesus rises from the grave overcomes death itself, overpowers it. That, that perfect, wonderful day is the day in which all of history hangs. That which came before it, all that comes after it, that is the pinnacle. That's the day. The day when Jesus rises from the dead. We celebrate that today. <laughs> he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is indeed risen. He brings life. There's life for you. There's life for me. Yes, you will suffer. I'm sorry. It makes me sad. I don't always get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why. I know it has to do with our sin. I know it has to do with sin in this world. I know all of that. But I also know the richest goodness that he offers when I am his, when my sins are forgiven. Celebrate that. Rejoice in that. Take pleasure in that. Take joy in that. Lift him up. Thank him. Offer your hearts and lives and all that is you to him. Let's pray. Father, we're wounded, and we're hurt, and we're suffering, and we're broken. I look around this room, and I see so many hurting people. Father, you've given me a gift of mercy, and sometimes I hate it, because I get to see some things that I know should not be this way. And I long for you to heal 
in this life, in these moments, in these days, would you do that? I ask you, knowing that you are God, knowing that you are powerful, knowing that you created and made all that we see and know, I know that about you. Help me believe. Help me trust. Help me hope. Father, give your hope to each person here. Let them see you. Jesus, come for each of them in whatever way you will. Heal them in whatever way you will. Forgive their sins. Draw them to yourself. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to satisfy your anger, to rage against sin, to satisfy the perfect judgment that you've made of our condition and who we are. Thank you for sending your Son, for turning your back on him, for despising him because of what he bears. Jesus, thank you for volunteering for this great mission to create the way back to Jesus to God through you. Thank you for your Father, Son, and Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you are truly risen and that even now you are with the Father preparing a place for us. In Jesus' name, amen.